Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Good morning. How are we all? Well, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name's Jared. I'll be your guest speaker this morning. Yeah, thank you. One person. <laughs> Whew, too late, too late. Forget it. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, it's good to be here. So, uh, yeah, I'm the S in shape. As Damo pointed out last week, we've gone with hapes. So doesn't really spell a word, unless there is a word hapes, but there's not. So uh, we're back to the beginning. But it actually began, so we had, uh, Glenda spoke on heart, is that correct? A few weeks ago, bringing the word on heart, and then Josh about abilities, and Linda on personality, and last week Damo on experience, and this week we're talking about spiritual gifts, all of that very exciting, but we need to remember at the very beginning, uh, a few weeks ago, Simon spoke about each of us as a masterpiece, and Ephesians 2.10 talks about us being um, God's workmanship or handiwork or masterpiece, His very own handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do the works that He has prepared in, uh, in advance for us to do. So all of this, all of our shape, all of the things that make us who we are as individuals and as a body of Christ go towards us fulfilling the mission that God has for us and has prepared in advance for us to do. So let me pray and then we'll uh, get on with the word today. Thank you, Father God, for what you are doing. Thank you for what you have been doing and thank you for what you are about to do. Thank you that you are good all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, open up your Bibles. Uh, Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So, uh, I'd also like to thank everyone for the warm welcome and uh, for the generosity that's been shown towards me and my family. We shifted this week. That's fun. (laughs) Who loves shifting house? I love shifting house as long as it's somebody else's. I'm over shifting my own. Like, we don't have a lot of stuff, but man, when you put it all in boxes and try and shift it somewhere else, it's a lot of stuff. But hey, thanks so much for all the generosity. Our pantry is full um, and we really appreciate that. That was really nice to walk into a home and haven't had to worry about food a great deal and just be able to settle in. We're over you know, on Culliver Street, come say hi sometime, bring a chair because we don't really have many at the moment. We're working on that, but we can feed you and we can make tea and coffee. So what more do you need? Nothing. Let me read the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, are you there? Good. All right. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. I know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Here's the the guts of what we want to get from this word. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one, just as he determines. Right, so here's Paul, he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth, just to give you a bit of a background. And the church at Corinth, they were polytheistic, means that they believed in numerous different gods. So they would have a god for the rain, and a god for the harvest, and a god for this, god for that. Super confusing, if you didn't grow up in that kind of understanding. But then Jesus shows up and changes it all for them. And so then they have to actually shift their thinking. So what the, the Corinth church is operating under the understanding is that, okay, so if somebody starts speaking in tongues and they have one spirit, and then there's somebody over here that has the gift of healing, well, that must be another spirit because that's what we've always understood, that's how we grew up. And then there's somebody over here that um, can do miraculous wonders, well, that must be a different spirit. So Paul writes to them and says, mm, no, that's not how it works. It's the one spirit actually manifesting in each and every one of you in different ways which is just mind-blowing for the Corinth church. And something I, I think today, some of us, when we're new to the kingdom, when we're new to the Holy Spirit, we go, how does the one reveal himself in such different and various ways? It's God. He can do what he likes, how he likes. And so he shows up in every single one of us as he likes. We are all made in the image of God. We are all made to reflect the likeness of God, Yes? Excellent. So when the Holy Spirit manifests in us and reveals Himself through the outpouring of the gifts that we have been given from the Holy Spirit, they come up in different ways. So some of us have the gift of administration, and God bless you so much if you have the gift of administration. Some of us have the gift of hospitality or encouragement or preaching or teaching or whatever it might be. There's a whole myriad of different gifts, and I'm not going to go through the list of spiritual gifts that you can have this week, today, but just to give you an idea that it's the one Spirit. They're all gifts from the Holy Spirit. And what they're actually meant to do is, if we keep reading 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes, uh, this is verse 12, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now, your own body, you'll know this because you're intelligent people, is made up of many various parts, correct? So, you have hands and arms, eyes, ears, and they all serve different functions, which is really helpful for the body to operate. So, when we get together as the body of Christ all with our different gifts and talents and everything that comprises our overall shape. We use all of that for the unity of Christ to share the gospel message and to see His kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's the wonder of God that He would set it up like this, that we can't actually do it alone. That we're actually meant to coexist with one another, we're meant to be interdependent on one another. So I bring my gifts, I, I have the gift of talking, Praise God. Why are you laughing right now? Uh, they're praising God. Thank you, Pam. Thank you. 
uh, encouragement, wisdom, and, and faith. I have the gift of faith. Faith is, is a gift. But some of you, my, my wife is gifted in prayer and intercession, hospitality, encouragement, and administration. She kills it at administration, which I am super thankful for. Um, and then what we also see is our kids. We're raising our kids and the gifts that they actually carry, the gifts that they have, um, as they are spirit-filled believers. And then each and every one of you have your gifts. When you are filled with the Spirit, when you give your lives to Christ and are filled with the Spirit, you receive gifts from Him. And it's not... I think what we've done as a church sometimes is gone, oh, I don't want to talk about it. You know, I don't want to bring glory to myself. Okay, don't bring glory to yourself, but actually know the gifts that you carry so that you can exercise them properly. You don't serve anybody. You don't do anybody any good. You don't do yourself any good. You don't do the church any good. You don't do the kingdom any good when you don't know the gifts that you carry. So for us as believers, as spirit-filled believers in Jesus Christ, to actually go, what are my spiritual gifts? You've probably got more than one. You might have one that is super dominant and you use that a lot. You see that revealed a lot, that manifests a lot in your life and in your day-to-day living, and then there might be a couple of others. But for you to know that is actually what Christ requires of you. He paved the way for you to be spirit-filled and to operate in the gifts that He has given you to continue the work that He began. In the Gospel of John, He said to His disciples and also to us, greater works than what I have done you will also do. And the only way that we can do that is if we know the gifts that He has given us and so we can live that out as a body of believers. The other thing we need to realise about spiritual gifts is it's not a competition. Sometimes we can look at some gifts and even Paul writes, now desire the greater gifts um, and we can explore that another time. But it's not a competition between who's got what gift and which one's better and which one's not so better which one isn't so good, it's not a competition between you and me because we're actually, God is relying on all of us as a body to bring our gifts, to serve Him, to honour Him, to reveal Him to each other and to the world around us. Does that make sense? So it's up to us in community and in connection with the Holy Spirit to discover what our gifts are and to co-labour with one another to properly manifest, to properly use those gifts to see God glorified. Uh, Oh, here we go. Let's go to Acts chapter 6. I'm sorry, this one's not up on the screen, I don't think. Acts chapter 6. I just want to show you uh, what Um, happens when people use their gifts and their talents, when people know who they are and whose they are and properly walk that out. Here's uh, Acts chapter 6 verse 1. So this is when the church, so Jesus has gone back up to heaven, the church has been established um, and it's starting to grow. So you still have the 12, you have the apostles who are kind of heading up the church, they're in charge, they're making sure things tick over and, and get done and the church is starting to grow. People are starting to come and be a part of it and join it on a daily basis. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked 
in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, yeah, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. All right, stop right there. So here's the twelve and they go to the other people in charge and say, all right, choose seven guys that are full of the Spirit and wisdom. All right, so wisdom as a gift of the Spirit wasn't only known to the people that had the gift of wisdom, but also known to the leaders of the church. Do you see that? So the, the leaders of the church, in trying to get something done, in trying to fulfill a certain role that needed to be done, knew who in their church actually had the gift of wisdom. So that when they needed somebody who was full of wisdom, they could go, all right, it's these seven guys. These are our guys. We'll go and choose them. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of word. This proposal pleased the whole group. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. All right, so here we are. They've, they've got the seven full of uh, wisdom and you'll notice that it says about Stephen, uh, a man of the Holy Spirit and full of faith and they appoint these men. What to do? To wait on tables. Sometimes we think that, sometimes we, we, um, we have levels of what is, what is a worthy job, what's a worthy calling and what's not. Like sometimes, and you might not, but some people look at the people that get to preach and think, wow, that's an awesome job. I want that job. You only want this job if you're called to do it, to be honest. Like, and I believe that I'm called to preach and I love it and I work hard at it because I spend a lot of time in the Word and in prayer to find out what the Lord wants to say and how He wants to say it. But I believe that's what He's called me to do it. But you ask any of the four other people that have over the last four weeks that have preached and they'll tell you mm, it's not necessarily easy like it takes a lot of time and effort just to be with the Lord not bad effort but it takes time and this is mm, I'll fix it if I'm wrong this is no ho more holier role than people who are called to hospitality the people that called to set up 10 coffee in the morning do you understand so here's this group of people called to wait on tables because the 12 apostles said actually that is taking up more of our time than it should so let's get seven guys full of wisdom and get them to oversee that ministry so if someone comes to you look, I'm still I'm just a guest speaker today so this isn't a plug for the church leadership or anything but if someone comes to you and says you know what we need someone to clean the toilet and we consider that you're full of enough wisdom and faith to clean the toilets. Would you mind joining these six other people in cleaning the toilets? I can see you're all rushing to clean the toilets. But that's, but some of us would balk and go, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm cut out to clean toilets. If you're breathing and you can walk, you're cut out to clean toilets, let me tell you. 
But that's no, that's no less worthy a calling, I don't think, than getting to share the word on a weekly basis. Now, I put a lot of weight, I put a lot of, I think this is really important, what we get to do on a weekly basis. But the people that are called to serve on a weekly basis in many of the roles that we require to operate as a church community, and not even just on a Sunday, but the people that put their hands up to look after kids when a course runs. Like, if that's not a role worthy of honour, I don't know what is. Because it takes all of us exercising our gifts in all the various roles that we need to as a church community to actually see the gospel message fulfilled. And sometimes it's not even what we might want to do. Do do you think that Stephen and the other six guys were going, man, I can't wait until they ask me to wait on tables. I'm so hanging out for that. That's going to be awesome. Maybe they did. Maybe that was was their thing. Here, I want to keep going because I don't even know what time I meant to finish, but I'll just keep going. Look at verse 7. So here's the apostles. They have appointed the seven to do the hospitality. Here's verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. It wasn't but the word of God spread. It was so the word of God spread. The 12 who were called to head up the church know what they're meant to do. Ministry of prayer and the word. And so they actually remove what is a distraction from what they're called to do. And concentrate on that. And they appoint other people to head up another ministry that was taking up their time. So when the apostles are doing what they're called to do, and when Stephen and the other six are are doing what they're called to do, and then in the other pockets of ministries, other people are doing what they're called to do, the church grew. So the church grew. So the church increased in numbers rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient. That was such a a revelation to Luke, the author of Acts, that he wrote down. A large number of priests became obedient. Why? Because people actually stepped into the gifts that they'd been given. And it wasn't a competition. It wasn't who's the greatest. It was, all right, let's use the gifts and talents that we've been given to get the job done. To serve the people. To care for the body. And so we're ready to actually care for the others who don't yet know Jesus. When they want to be a part of the community, when they give their lives to Jesus, we're ready to serve them and honour them as well. Stephen, it's, uh, in uh, chapter 6, verse 8, it goes on, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. And these men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Do you know one of the words I think we need to get rid of uh, from our vocabulary is just? I I, I think it might have been shared before, but when we were in the my NARA offices on Bailey Street uh, and you'd walk in and I think a buzzer would go. There'd be a buzzer that would go when you walk in the door um, and so whoever walked in the door would say, it's just me, so that the other people 
in the office because it was spread out. It used to be like doctor's surgery or something. Do you remember this? Like, and so it was this big old house and you'd walk in and say, just me, just so that the other people who were buried somewhere in another office down a corridor knew that they didn't have to actually get up and come and see who was at the door. And somebody commented on, well, no, it's, it's not just you. This is actually what we do in the kingdom. We say, oh, it's just me. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just doing my time. I'm just doing my thing. I'm just a child, just a mum, just a farmer. I'm just an accountant. I'm just, I'm, I'm just this. And we actually diminish who we are and who we were made to be. And we diminish what, who Christ has called us to be. Because when we say, oh, it's just me, I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm just setting up tea and coffee, I'm just cleaning toilets, I'm just, I'm just doing this menial task, then we're saying, Jesus, what you have made me to be is not important enough for me to actually give you the honour and glory through what I'm doing. I knew a dude, when we were at Bethel, I knew a guy to, to make money, he was cleaning the toilets, he was cleaning the bathrooms, um, at Bethel Church. And he was like, oh, cleaning the toilets. And then one day the Lord spoke to him about it and said, what's wrong with cleaning the toilets? We need the toilets clean. And so as he cleaned the toilets, and they got a lot of toilets, he would pray over those toilets, he would bless those toilets, he'd bless the people that were going to sit on the toilets and use those toilets. He made that toilet cleaning his ministry. And then he saw it in a whole new light because he saw how God could use him even in cleaning toilets. I don't know why we make cleaning toilets the lowest of the low. I'm like, if, have you ever used a dirty toilet? It's foul. Like, that's a really important role. We need clean toilets and we need tea and coffee. We, well, we don't need, all right. Yeah, all right, we need it. Sorry. We need liquid. It's not, you, you're, not you're not adjust. And what you're doing isn't adjust. It is super important when you discover who you are and whose you are and you operate out of the gifts and talents that God has given you, you're not adjust. You're not just doing what you're called to do. And if you think that you are just doing, if you think you are just being, then get alone with the Lord and say, Lord, I feel I could actually do more than what I'm doing. Or I don't see what I'm doing the way that you see it. Give me eyes to see, Lord. Give me revelation to actually discover how you see what I'm doing. Because I'm pretty sure if all of us took stock and looked at what we're doing, not just on a Sunday, not just as part of the gathering here on a Sunday morning, as important as that is, but every day, if we saw it as the Lord sees it, if we saw it as an opportunity to use the gifts that He's given us, We'd know it's not adjust. And we would see the way the Lord is actually working in our lives and through our lives to see His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the things I believe that gets diminished the most in today's world is being a mum and a dad. And that's why, if you like, sign up for Love and Logic. Even if you're not a parent, sign up for Love and Logic because it is so helpful in giving you some tools 
uh, that you can use to actually do healthy relationships, not just in parenting, but in any relationship you have. Because we diminish, we say, oh, I'm just, I, I think mums do it themselves more than dads do, to be honest. I'm just a mum, just a stay-at-home mum. Not just a mum. Like, you are raising up a generation of people who can change the world. And if mums and dads don't love their children the way that God loves us as his children, then our children miss out. You're not just mums and dads, you're not just brothers and sisters, you're not just farmers or accountants or husbands or wives or brothers or sisters. Each and every one of those can actually glorify God in every way possible. The other thing, um, I don't, um, it's, it's in the Bible, the other thing you can do with a spiritual gift is you can actually desire what somebody else has. Not in a coveting way, like I want to be really careful about it, but if you go and read the story of Elijah and Elisha, in, I, I didn't look it up beforehand, I'm sorry, it's in the Old Testament. And Elisha is the apprentice to Elijah. I don't know why, the two guys have names that are so close. It is really confusing. But do you know the story of Elijah and Elisha? Some of us, all right. So Elijah was this prophet who was killing it. I'm trying to think of another expression. He was doing really well. He was really good because he knew his gifts, okay? So he, the, he operated in signs and wonders, healings and miracles. And he was kind of the lead prophet. He was the one everybody looked to. And Elisha was following him around. Elijah tried to get rid of him and say, go away, go back home. So Elisha went back home um, and then came back and followed Elijah. And Elijah could not shake this guy. And then Elijah is about to be taken up to heaven. And Elisha says to Elijah, Elijah, I want what you have. But not only do I want what you have, I want a double portion of what you've got. I want twice the anointing you carry. So Elisha could see on Elijah the gift that Elijah had in prophecy and signs and wonders. And so Elisha wanted it. And so Elijah, I would love to meet Elijah. Yeah, I reckon he's a bit sly. Elijah says to Elisha, all right, you can have it if you see me go up to heaven when I go. Elisha's, all right. So at some point, Elijah gets taken up to heaven. And I used to read it and think that he got taken up on the chariot with the, with the horses and everything. I don't think he did. I think that was actually a distraction when he went up. Elijah gets taken up and there's a chariot and horses and it all sounds super dramatic and unbelievable. Sounds like a Hollywood blockbuster. But Elisha doesn't focus on the chariot and the horses that are happening at the same time. He focuses on Elijah. He doesn't take his eyes off the one that he's honoured all this time and he wants to learn and glean from. So Elijah's gone and then his mantle falls on Elisha and Elisha is filled to double with the same anointing that Elijah had to be able to prophesy and to operate in the same gifts and talents. Does that make sense? It's, it's in the Bible, it is in there. It's in Kings, I think. Kings, thank you. But do you know what Elisha didn't just sit on his talent, on his gift, and go, 
oh, well, this is cool. I'll, uh, I'll wait until I've got an opportunity. I'll wait until somebody calls me and tells me what to do. Elisha comes to a river and he's like, mm, I've seen my master face this same situation. And he came to a river that he couldn't cross, so he threw an axe in. And the waters parted and then he walked across on dry land. So Elisha did the same thing, threw an axe in, saw the waters part and walked across on dry land. Elisha took the gift that he had been given after following Elijah and also what he had learned from Elijah and put it into practice straight away. And it's okay with gifts to actually practice them, to actually, when you discover your gift, to discover your calling. And everybody gets a gift. When you discover that, to actually practice it and to make mistakes and to fail and to fall short, God's not looking for us to get it 100% right all the time. He knows that we won't because we're not perfect, we're not Him, we're not Jesus. So to actually exercise our gift and in attempting to discover the more of it and what, how we use it and how we use it for God's glory, we actually will make mistakes. But He wants us to step out in faith and courage and boldness and more as we discover the gift. Do you remember a few years ago, I said everybody gets a gift. Uh, do you remember a few years ago and Oprah had a Christmas list? None of you watch Oprah, I know that. Does it, anyone remember about Oprah's Christmas gift? Yeah. So every year, when, I don't even know if she's on TV, and I didn't watch her, I just heard about it, all right? Truth. Um, she had this Christmas list when she would give everybody in the studio audience, mostly screaming women, an item off the Christmas gift. And it's not, oh, here's a box of Cadbury favourites and here's a bottle of perfume. It was like paid holidays and rooms full of furniture. And then one year she gives everybody, like there's 25 things on the list, she gives everybody a car. And so it's kind of been ripped off a few times, but she's like, you get a car, and you get a car, you get a car, everybody gets a car. So that's a really bad Oprah voice, I'm sorry. <laughs> does, it, does anybody know what I'm talking about yet? A few of you, all right. So it gets ripped off, like Oprah's like, everybody gets a car, and it was some Chrysler kind of sedan kind of thing, and everybody is screaming their heads off because they got a free car. And then a little while later, there's some complaints that come through because people have to register it, and insurance, get insurance on it, maintain it. Probably people complain because they've got to put petrol in it. Who knew? It's like, oh, wow. If, if, if you want to give me a car, a new car, I won't complain about the insurance and registration, okay? I promise you. It has to seat six people, though, just saying. But Oprah gave this car to everybody in her audience. And they all loved it. Um, and probably by now, that was a few years ago, I reckon some of the cars might have been in an accident. Some of them might have rusted. Some of them have been given away or sold or stolen. And that momentary excitement at some point will probably wane about a car. But in 1 Corinthians, verse 7, 
1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that. Each man. Here's what I want to finish up with, is that everybody gets a gift. Everybody. Not a car, sorry. Can't do that. But everybody gets a gift. If you are a spirit-filled believer, you get a gift. And everybody has a different gift. To some, the gift of leadership. To some, the gift of preaching. To some, the gift of encouragement. To some, the gift of hospitality. Everybody gets a gift. None of us are that special that God would overlook us and not give us a gift. Because we're all part of the one body. And God, in his infinite wisdom, and I think he delights in this, I feel his delight in this, is that as we come together as the body of believers, he goes, oh, I love you all so much. And I love it when you come together and you're in unity about the mission that I've got for you and what I've called you to do. And do you know what? I'm going to give you this gift in this way so that you can use that. And you can work with this person over here who's got this gift and they can use it in that way. And when you come together, wow, the kingdom just explodes and numbers come to join what I'm doing. Because it's, it's not about us, but it's about us when we show up and we start using what he's given us. And we say yes to him. And we go, all right, Lord, I'm going to use the gift that you have given me. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to make it a just thing. I'm not going to be jealous of what somebody else is doing and then not use my gift. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to discover what it is you have given me and how to use it. So I can be a part of what your body is doing, part of who you are and what you want to do here in Horsham, in the Wimmera, in Victoria, in Australia. It's not a free car. It's better than a car. It's better. We stand. All right, a little bit of boldness. Hands up if you would say, yep, I am a spirit-filled believer and I know a gift or a number of gifts that the uh, Holy Spirit has, been, has given to me. Super, excellent. All right, hands down. Hands up if you'd say, mm, I'm a spirit-filled believer, but I don't know the hand, uh, the, hand uh, the gift that I have been given. Couple? All right. Hands up now if you, are, if you don't know if you've been filled with the Spirit and therefore you don't know what gift you have been given. Did that make sense? Did I say the right thing? All right. All right. Yeah, I want to pray that God would actually increase our awareness of the gifts that He's given us and that it would increase our boldness and our courage. So I just want you to put your hands out in front of you like this, ready to receive. Holy Spirit, in this moment, we just ask that you would fall upon us, fall fresh upon us, that you would fill us anew, Lord, 
Fill us with your presence, with your overwhelming presence, that we would be filled with strength and courage because you are with us. And that for each and every one of us here today, Lord, each and every one of us that would be more and more aware of the gifts that you have given us, not for our glory, but for yours, Lord, that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done, that we would do greater things than what Jesus did when he was here on earth, that we would not compete with one another, Lord, but we would grow together in unity, in solidarity, that we would encourage each other and spur each other on, that we would be aware of the gifts that you have given to one another, not just to us as individuals, but to our brothers and sisters so we could encourage each other in that. Holy Spirit, come. Fall afresh on us. Fill us to overflowing so that as we go about our days and our weeks, we can't help but pour you out on the people we are with. Thank you, God, for what you are doing and what you're about to do in your people. In Jesus' name, amen.